Maybe. Oh, and came away kind of satisfied with, with yeah. what we're doing, I suppose. Reasonably satisfied, I guess, maybe. That's what we should be aiming for every single week. It's reasonably reasonably satisfied. satisfactory. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Super Bayern Podcast. Bayern Munich have now made it six consecutive wins since the break, first being Bayer Leverkusen over the weekend in a convincing display, then scraping by Eintracht Frankfurt yesterday to advance to the DFP Pokal final. The Bavarians are well on their way to securing yet another domestic double, but they did show a few worrying signs in Wednesday's outing. As always, I'm Benjamin Scott and I'm here to talk about all of that and more with my friends Garrett Kerber, Hello, Tim Richards, Hello there. And last but not least, Sebastian Zimmerman. Hi. Yeah, so like I said, it's been two more games for Bayern since we last spoke, and uh, fortunately two more wins for Bayern since we last spoke. And we'll go ahead and start off with the first one that took place over the weekend. That's when Bayern beat Bayer Leverkusen 4-2. to They went down early. It didn't start off looking so good for Bayern, but they turned it around and got the big win. Uh, Sebastian, what happened there? Did, did Bayer Leverkusen just kind of fall apart, or do you think Bayern really deserved the credit for... Um, you know, getting back on their feet after going down early and bringing the game back to Leverkusen and just really overcoming them. Yeah, I think uh, Bayern really deserves a lot of credit here. It was really a, a great game to watch. It was interesting, but also quite satisfying for a Bayern fan, I would say. Of course, it was a bit of a shame uh, uh, that Kai Havertz didn't play. That would have been, well, more dangerous for Bayern, of course. But it also would have felt kind of fair if they would have been able to to play him. So yeah, I, I think it was a very good game, and uh, and I think Bayern really uh, put in a lot of work to turn this match around. I mean, it, it, I think it was a bit unlucky that uh, uh, that that uh, Leverkusen took the lead, but yeah, sometimes these kind this kind of thing just just happens. And yeah, as a as a top team, if you want to be a team that's uh, trying to win the Champions League, you need to be able to turn these things around because you're not going to be able to score the first one against all of those uh, very strong teams that that uh, that there are. I mean, that's already true in the Bundesliga, of course, but even more so if you're trying to win the Champions League. So, yeah, you just need to be able to do that, and it's very satisfying to see that work because um, what, I, what I find most impressive here, I think, is that they were, weren't really wavering at all. It, it was really solid, and they didn't didn't seem nervous at all or anything they they really had this uh this game pretty much uh in their hands i think for for the most of this game it always felt like all right let's uh let's not let's not stress it they are they are going to turn this around they are looking very good despite uh at uh, despite that leverkusen goal i think that's yeah that really feels good because that hasn't always been like that especially not under kovac and yeah, the the worst times as a Bayern fan have been those times where you think, well, this is a, this is a good team when when they are when they score the early goal and maybe it's uh, they are going to score five or six, but yeah, these Bayern teams who couldn't handle these kinds of situations that has always been very frustrating and that has cost us very dearly in the past and yeah, this Bayern team is not one of those. This is a this is a team that's very serious and yeah, that's not going to fool around and. Who, who are able uh, to pull off these kinds of victories. And that's really very nice. Yeah, we, I remember talking several months ago I, before Hansi Flick was um, even acting as manager. We, we talked about how Bayern seemed to have this mentality issue of when they go behind or when things start to go rough, they kind of fall apart. And it was really nice to see that that's not what happened against Leverkusen. And you brought up Kai Havertz, and we'll probably talk about him more later. Um, but interestingly, it's another game against Bayern that he did not play. So you can kind of uh, make of that what you will, but um, Tim, you think his absence in this game kind of shows how important he is to to Bayer Leverkusen? And do you think maybe if he was on the pitch, uh, this game could have gone in a different direction? Quite possibly. So he's been playing in a uh, almost as a centre forward. I, I think you can maybe call it a false nine. I think it's I've kind of got my own opinions on that and the interpretation of that role. Um, but he's been playing as like the furthest forward centre. Like central player um, in the past few games, and has picked up a lot of goals, um, and is is very much like the key player, um, the key player for them. So the fact that he was missing um, is is quite key. I, I think if 
you know, you can write as many speculative reports as you want to about it saying, oh, he wasn't playing because he was negotiating. Like, like it, there's a clause in his contract that says he can't play. Like you can, uh, those things are very easy to, to predict. And I love the drama, quite frankly. Um, but I think it was just a matter of he, he wasn't there. Um, I think so according to transfer marks, it says that he had muscular problems and that's vague enough for me to buy it quite frankly. <laughs> um, but I, th- I think like without him, so he's, so, you know, since I think since we've come back, he's been, uh, so he scored a, a goal and then a brace and then another brace. And then he scored another goal against Freiburg. So he is very, very crucial to that whole setup. I think, to move away from Havertz slightly, I think the game was very much decided by the fact that Leon Bailey, a, a player that I really enjoy watching when he's on form, he was played so far away from goals. He was played as a wing back, and for the most part, he was playing as as like an actual left back. Um, so I think that's kind of where Peter Bosch really fell short. Like obviously, you've got this really talented youngster in Kai Havertz, but without him. I guess like the next best thing would be Leon Bailey, and if he's going to be if he's going to be playing nowhere near the near the goal, then it was kind of decided before it before it began. Um, so I I think like Havertz's absence was uh, very notable, uh, very noticeable, I should say. Um, but like this is a this is a good team, and so I don't think that he that his absence was like the sole reason why Leverkusen couldn't quite hold on to it. You brought up Leon Bailey, and I'm right there with you. That's a player that I very much enjoy watching, and I think he's very talented. Um, he's been linked with Byron a lot, and he's always been someone that you know I wouldn't mind seeing make that move. But um, I think you're spot on. The way that Peter Boss used him was definitely not beneficial for him. So I was just looking at the stats. He had 36 touches of the ball, and he only played 12 accurate passes. And this is a guy who's got a tremendous left foot. He can curl a shot in from distance. He's He's extremely quick. Um, he's a guy who likes to score goals and create goals and go forward. And um, I can, the Bayer Leverkusen's last coach, his name is escaping me right now, but he he used Bailey in a similar similar role shortly after he came to Leverkusen, and it didn't work out. But when he pushed Bailey further up the pitch, that's when he really started to shine. And so it was a little bit strange to see Peter Boss, you know, not take advantage of one of his what I would consider one of his better attacking players, and kind of pulling him back um, further down the pitch. I think another player who had a big contribution in this game. Um, who who kind of helped turn the tides, not on the Leverkusen side, but on the Bayern side, was Leon Goretzka, who has just been a beast since returning from the break. And Garrett, we finally got you back to talk about him a little bit. Um, what's going on with your boy? How come he's, you know, basically turned into Michael Ballack over the past couple weeks? Uh, he's my guy's swole. You, you saw, you saw, he just ballooned into this massive human being that uh, is. He has a role. He's playing it well, and um, yeah, he's been he's been phenomenal since we came back from from the break. I don't. I want to call him the best improvement, at least since um, since the break, and he he might have been one of our most consistent players um, in these matches, and uh, so yeah, he's just been phenomenal, and I, I think that a lot of it has to do with just where he's playing on the pitch. Um, he's, he's kind of playing that Tiago role, but a, a little bit, dare I say, almost better than Tiago in that it's, it's, he is providing more defensive support for Kimmich than, than Tiago has. He's not obviously, uh, as good of a passer as Tiago. Um, but I think what he brings Bayern in, in terms of just helping solidify the, the defense and, and then also, kind of getting things moving forward um i believe it was the it was this match they're both th- this match and the and the pokal match are kind of blurring together but i believe it th- was this match where he won he won the ball um on the byron side of the field and, and it turned into the kingsley coman's goal um but i think you know that just kind of shows this kind of role that he's kind of stepped into which is, um, like you said, kind of bollock like where he's, he's, he's got a, he's got a good spot on the pitch. He's, he's obviously able to physically, um, outwork guys a little bit. And, um, and yeah, he's been, he's just been great. And it's been, 
I've been sitting over here pumping my fists for the duration of this uh, this restart, just because uh, of how, how how good he's making me look in in my in my uh, my fandom of him. So, yeah, there's there's really a lot to unpack with him, and we had a lot of people bring up his name on Twitter when I when I tweeted out asking for questions. Um, one of those, Sebastian. Uh, and since Gary, you just talked about Goretzka's role on the pitch, I'm, I'm going to bring this up. Someone asked if uh, maybe in the Pokal game we were missing someone with that kind of Arturo Vidal intimidation factor sort of presence in midfield. And, you know, I brought up the picture of Leon Goretzka looking swole, as Garrett says. And, um, you know, the guy replied, yeah, he's got the frame. Now he just needs to use it. So if we're talking about Leon Goretzka's role, Sebastian, do you think maybe he needs to, to sort of lean into that? Uh, more physical midfield presence alongside Joshua Kimmich or even Thiago whenever they may be paired together? Yeah, I guess he can do that. It's a bit interesting here because um, there are two kind of two ways being that physical guy. And I think we had both comparisons mentioned already here because Michael Ballack, for example, he's also uh, a physical kind of, or he also was a very physical kind of player, uh, but more more so going forward. Uh, with his headers and uh, just with his presence, uh, you can't just you cannot push. You, w- you just weren't able to push that guy around, just uh, a- as it is true for Leon Goretzka. So I, I see. I guess I see him more like that Balak kind of guy, and not necessarily like that Vidal or maybe Gattuso kind of guy. I don't quite see him uh, uh, as, as someone like that, who, who is who also who are also players who have that kind of physical presence. But Goretzka is just uh, certainly a bit taller than those guys and yeah he's just not not as much uh, a guy who's going to go for that sliding tackle and is going to uh, follow the other guy and manage to bring him down no matter what that that's not really the guy I, i see goretzka as but i don't really think he needs to be that guy because as we have mentioned tiago is also definitely not that guy his sliding tackle has way improved over the last uh last couple of years but uh, yeah, I, I think if if Goretzka is kind of a bit more robust than Thiago, for me that's kind of enough. I don't think we we really need need an Arturo Vidal in there. Uh, and if anything, Kimmich is also n- not necessarily such a physical guy, but he's definitely someone who's going in for those tackles and who's going to get you the ball. So I really don't think we necessarily need one player in the mold of Arturo Vidal if we have two players who are not afraid to go for a tackling uh, and who are just not afraid to use their bodies uh, on the field. So, yeah, for me, for me, that's not so much an issue. Uh, you could also talk about this aggressive leader kind of thing. But that's, that's something else, again, I would say. Uh, m- some of us might remember uh, Mark von Bommel uh, in, uh, concerning this topic here. Uh, yeah, a very I think very maybe, physical maybe. player. Yeah, yeah <laughs> about as physical yeah. as you can get. Yeah, true, true. But I, but I don't think uh, that's that's what what defines uh, what or it's not what purely uh, in itself alone defines a an aggressive leader. Uh, this is more about mentality. This is about talking to other players on the pitch. Maybe maybe we sometimes need more of that. But I think Kimmich is more more the guy I see in that role. So for me. Yeah, not, not such a big topic, really. I, I don't necessarily see this as such a big problem. That would be my thing too. With uh, I, I mean, I think if you're if you're gonna if it was gonna be just him um, playing in a defensive midfield position, then I would say, yeah, we need somebody as like an Arturo Vidal. Um, but to your point, Sebastian, with with Koretska and Kimmich kind of um, both playing similar roles. I think Kimmich has a lot more of that personality um, of that aggressive leader. Um, I think he tends to have more of the moments of brilliance, maybe so than Goretzka. But I think the thing about Goretzka that's just been so helpful is he's just so hard to take off the ball. And I think that that's where his, his physicality has really come into play is that he's able to body guys off uh, of him while he's trying to, you know, gather and, and, and move the ball along. And so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally with you. I think he's more in the, in the, in the Bollock role. And, and I think that's a good, that's a good spot for him. Um, because 
he's not going to be that kind of aggressive uh, leader that, you know, you're not going to see him, you know, making the, the, the screams and the yells and stuff quite as much, uh, you know, I'm sure he'll do it from time to time, but it's, that's his personality is a little bit more laid back. It seems like, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm totally in agreement with you that if we wanted to have a guy just play patrolling the defensive midfield by himself, then, then maybe we would need more of an Arturo Vidal, but the way that this system works with, with uh, Kimmich and, and Goretzka or even Kimmich and Tiago, maybe to a lesser extent, I think that, that it's been working great and it, and it it's fun to watch. Well, we're going to put a pin in, in that midfield conversation for now because we will get back to that a little bit later. Um, but Leon Goretzka is not the only player who had a good week. Thomas Muller, our guy, also had a, uh, a rather spectacular week. So he was probably my man of the match yesterday. But before that, he brought his Bundesliga assist tally for, to 20 for the season. Now, I had been under the assumption that 21 was the record set by Kevin De Bruyne. Some people had said that 20 was the record set by Kevin De Bruyne. But no, in fact, Bundesliga uh, tweeted out that their official record shows that Kevin De Bruyne had 19 assists in his season with Wolfsburg, which means Thomas Müller now with 20 assists is the official single-season Bundesliga assist record holder. Uh, so big congratulations to him there. We obviously have seen this coming for for a long time. But then we'll kind of use that to transition into yesterday's game against Eintracht Frankfurt because as good as Bayern were against Leverkusen, they were almost equally as poor against Eintracht Frankfurt. I think there's a few names that you could say are the exception to that. Thomas Muller, Leon Goretzka, uh, maybe Alfonso Davies, Joshua Kimmich. But as a whole, Byron did not look nearly, nearly as good. And Tim, I know you sort of have a theory behind this. And this is also something that someone uh, brought to our attention on Twitter. Uh, that maybe Hansi Flick's lack of rotation in, in the past weeks has sort of led to this uh, almost burnout that we saw yesterday against Eintracht Frankfurt. So maybe talk to us, Tim, uh, about that for a little bit. Yeah, I, I, it wasn't something that I had like initially or like organically come to. Um, but when I, I was looking on Twitter as the game was going on and people were saying the players look tired. And Frankfurt have played the same amount of games um like it shouldn't I, I think there's always going to be a, a difference between the way that a team that's at the absolute very top of football right now in Bayern are you know physically conditioned uh to be able to play 90 minutes one day and then three days later play it again but the reason why you have transfer windows like even if you have so even when you win the treble you still go into the window and buy players because you need you don't need 11 players to win a, to win competitions. You need so many more. And so you have to have a good squad. And, okay, at the moment we've got injured guys like Tolisso, Nicolas Sula, Coutinho as well. I know he kind of gets a little bit of stick for not really delivering at times, but he is still a valuable asset. Um, it is fairly apparent that Flick's biggest problem because he isn't exempt from criticism. Like he, okay, these these results are fantastic. You know, undefeated since when was it? Like since before Christmas, I think. Um, yeah, uh, no, seventh of seventh of December is the last game that Bayern lost. Uh, it was against uh, Gladbach, which hopefully won't happen again this weekend. But if you can go on that sort of run, fantastic. But there are going to be problems, and the fact that he is not. He's he's kind of using the fact that you can now substitute five players in a game, but he's not really doing it very effectively. So like the earliest substitution that he's made is or okay, the earliest substitution that he's made was Lucas Hernandez after forty six minutes. But I kind of have to think why? Like surely like if if he was good enough to start, then you don't kind of put somebody in just to like see if they're good enough um in the first half. Like if he's gonna be if he's going to play 45 minutes, give him the second half to play. And after that, like the earliest that he's taking players off is around like 65 minutes, at which point the games are typically done. But I just can't help but feel that he needs to think ahead of time and that he is just kind of looking at each match day as and when they come. I think that was probably the thing that I'm always going to 
praise Guardiola for is the fact that he was always thinking about the next step. And yeah, sometimes that came at a detriment and Bayern lost focus and they were kind of too busy doing like X, Y, Z instead of focusing on the task at hand. But he would always put out a different team because it gave the opportunity for, well, beyond anything else, it gave the opportunity for players to show what they can do. I'm not a huge fan of his, but I'd like to see, I'd like to have a reason to like Kisos playing. Even guys like Audrey Zola, like he's not going to be at Bayern next season. You still want to see what he can do because he is here and he said, yeah, I am going back to Real Madrid, but while I'm here, I want to be dedicated. I really love that mentality. I want to see, I, I want to see Flick like really utilize the squad that he's got. Um, because yeah, the starting 11 is fantastic and it's great that you've got this. Um, it's great that you've got guys like Alfonso Davies and, and Kimmich has the ability to play week in, week out, or like twice a week, um, quite frequently. But it is it is coming at a bit of a cost, um, and and also like there's the the whole issue of the fact that Frankfurt are the sort of team that can just run and run and run and not stop and make life very very difficult for everybody. But it shouldn't be that case, I don't think. If I could argue on the flip side, not that I completely disagree, and I think that you bring up a good point that Hansi Flick is definitely not above criticism. Um, but if you look at the the players that were available to him in the past week, I mean, Felipe Coutinho, he's out for who knows how long. Nicolas Sula is out for uh, probably the rest of the season. Corinton Toliso is out for a long time. Uh, Javier Martinez hasn't been fit for a while. Thiago, he's hardly ever fit. Serge Gnabry's been struggling. And so that leaves us with a really, I mean, Lucas Hernandez even has been struggling. So, you know, we're looking at Joshua Xerxes, uh, Sarpreet Singh, guys like that filling out the bench. I mean, it sort of comes into this question of, okay, well, do I risk losing these games um, and giving some of my, my main guys a rest? Or do I play the main guys and risk them getting tired a little bit? So I do, I guess, see where he's coming from. And I think at this point, you kind of look back to the to the board or maybe even the medical staff, whatever you have to look at and say, okay, you know, we obviously have a deficiency in this area because it's not something new for Bayern Munich to get into this phase of the season. And then all of a sudden, you know, there's six or seven guys on the, on the injured re- injury list. Um, so yeah, there is something going on there. I do think he could have rotated a little bit better. Um, but at the end of the day, we, we did win yesterday. Luckily, you know, this is a Frankfurt team that we know isn't very good, um, but it is definitely uh, definitely something worth having. I don't know if Garrett or uh, Sebastian, y'all have anything to add to that conversation. I think f- from for me, I, I I tend to agree a little bit uh, with you, Tim, on this. I guess um, I mean I think that there needs to be, especially given the fact that you know they're they're coming off such a long break, um, there needs to be a little bit more rotation a little bit more uh thought into how to keep guys fresh and how to keep them um at at peak performance um especially when you're playing you know every three four days that being said i i I still also think that flick is still pretty new um as a as a head manager in the bundesliga i think the, the he you know when he coached uh, Hoffenheim, I don't think they were in the in the top uh, tier yet. But so I think this is his first stint in in playing in the Bundesliga uh, or coaching in the Bundesliga rather. And then I think so. I think there is some some newness that he's he's kind of learning on the job. Um, not that that's a, an excuse for it, but I think that 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 is kind of an explanation as to maybe why this is an area where he does need to improve. Um, I, I think that substitutions tend to be one of the areas where managers seem to struggle um, just because of the sheer number of, of the competitions that they're that they're put in. But then also when you throw in this whole aspect of a pandemic that they're having to kind of work around and and how how is training um, changed because of because of the pandemic and all the the various restrictions that are being put on them. So I, I, I agree. Um, I think that they're, they, they probably need to, it seems like they need to focus a little bit more on, 
on that side of things, but I also think that there's a lot of reasons why it might be the case. I guess that's kind of where I come down on this. No matter what, it's something for us to kind of watch over the over the coming weeks because the schedule does get super busy um, over the next coming weeks. And then we also have the Champions League waiting a month after that. So it will be interesting to see if, you know, Flick rotates a little bit. Um, he'll obviously have to this weekend, and we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but it's something it's worth being concerned, yeah. Yeah, something to keep an eye on. So before we get to um, the Gladbach game and look at that, there's a few other just talking points that we need to bring up. And um, I'll come to you for this first one, Sebastian. So Kingsley Coman, that's a player that we've been pretty critical of in, uh, well, probably for the the whole lifespan of this podcast. And I would say rightfully so. But since the return um, to Bundesliga action, he's sort of been Bayern's main outlet on the wings. He's sort of kind of turned into um, Bayern's, Bayern's guy on the wings. So I want to ask a couple questions. First, have you noticed any improvement to Kingsley Coleman? Has he done anything to give you signs that, okay, maybe he still has a future here at Bayern and, and, and could still um, be the player that we hope that one day he will be? And then on top of that, Serge Gnabry has really been off his game since the return. Uh, and someone asked us this on Twitter. Is his, I guess, lack of consistency... Uh, a big concern for Bayern Munich going forward? Uh, maybe let's start with the Gnabry question because I feel like that's easier to answer. Uh, no, not a huge concern for me, at least not at this point, because with this whole uh, corona thing going on, this is such a special kind of situation. Uh, it's probably not going to be gone tomorrow, but ultimately it's going to be gone uh, and it's probably not going to uh, return at least at some point. And yeah, I would I would kind of blame it on that. I would not say that this is necessarily something that I expect to be the case for a prolonged period of time with Serge Gnabry. So really not a big concern from my perspective uh, concerning Kingsley Coman. Um, I think he really has improved uh, in the uh, Leverkusen game. He was probably one of the best players on the field for Bayern, in my in my uh, opinion, especially that goal. That goal was brilliant. Uh I would really like to see more more of that from him because that's exactly the thing that doesn't work most of the time with him. And this one was really brilliant. Um, I think uh, earlier there was just it was just like eighty or ninety percent frustrating at times when he was either on the wing, um, not getting the right kind the uh, the right kind of cross in or in front of goal. That that was really a very 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 bad ratio uh, of good actions to bad actions, and now it's more like in the fifty fifty department maybe. And uh, <laughs> yeah, with Kingsley Coman, that's definitely a big improvement, and I hope he he can do more of that. I hope he can improve even further. The way he's been in, he has been playing those last two games, he was I think in both games among our better players. And that's not something I would have been able to say for quite some time. So I, I hope he can replicate that and even uh, improve even more. I mean, he has been kind of healthy for a relatively prolonged period of time now. So maybe that's finally show, showing some results. I hope that's the case. Right now, um, I guess I'm more positive on Kingsley Coman than I have been in quite a t- in, in quite a while. So yeah. Pretty positive from from my perspective here. Yeah, I, I hope you're right that um, this prolonged period of without injury is going to be what he needs to reach that next level. And I do agree. I think he's been um, improved over the last few weeks. He was very good against Leverkusen. Um, you were exactly right. His goal was like exactly what all Bayern fans have been wanting out of Kingsley Coman ever since he he joined the club. That's the sort of potential that he has, and that finish was excellent. It's just that. We need to see more of that and less of you know him being on the right wing and, and crossing the ball all the way out of bounds on the opposite side uh, of the pitch. So I would agree. I think he's showing some good signs, and it's really encouraging with you know Serge Gnabry struggling as he is that we've got Kingsley come on stepping up. Um, a few small talking points. Byron wore their new kits for the next season against uh, Eintracht Frankfurt yesterday. Tim, are you a fan? Are they good? Are they bad? little bit bland what are your thoughts on the new kits big fan uh i like the simplicity uh it kind of reminds me of 
the 2016-17 kit, um, but without a collar. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I'm against a collar. I don't mind a collar. Um, no, but, yeah, no. Collars are bad. Okay, <laughs> then. Uh, it, is, it has been decided. Uh, yeah, I, I really liked it. Um, I think it's it's clean, it's crisp, um, it's red with red shorts. Uh, I think that's like the key thing to take away. There aren't going to be any banners in the stadium. Well, there's <laughs> not going to be anybody in the stadium to put up any banners anyway. Uh, but yeah. Not about that anyway. Yeah. Um, I don't know, maybe you could like fly a drone over. I don't know. It doesn't, <laughs> work. It's not, it's, it doesn't bear thinking about. Uh, yeah, I really like it. Um, I'm interested to see what they're going to do with like the away and the and the third kits. I really liked yesterday that they had the Audi logo on it. Uh, sadly, I can't see that being a permanent fixture, mm. but that's that's for another day, I think. Yeah, I, I saw someone compare the the new kits, um, or they said they were like the sixteen seventeen kits, like you brought up, which were very clean on the pitch. But it was like they combined those with the the ones that Bayern won the Champions League in last. So I guess the 2013-14 kits that were also just right, uh, white and red. Um, and so, yeah, I think that they're, I think they're really nice as well. Um, I probably would prefer the three stripes on the shoulders, but that's a small complaining point. Uh, I think you're right, though. They're, they're very nice. Um, Garrett, I know you watch the same broadcast that I do, so you'll have recognized the same thing probably. And I don't know how it is with uh, Tim and Sebastian, but for all the Bundesliga games recently, there has been uh, crowd noise added into the broadcast. And yesterday, watching the DFB Pokal, there was no crowd noise added into the broadcast. And so, Garrett, my question is, you know, do you prefer having that artificial crowd noise in the background, which is has been done excellently, I think, or do you prefer the uh, or prefer without the crowd noise where you kind of get to hear the players and you get to hear the coach, even though most of the time we're not going to understand what they say? The raw, unedited footage of this. I, uh, I, I really go back and forth because, like, honestly, I, you know, watching the the Pokal matches, um, I, I kind of enjoyed being able to hear them, you know, yelling at each other and stuff. And like you said, I don't, I don't understand most of what they're saying. Um, I understand a little bit of German, but not usually what they're yelling at each other. Um, and, uh, but, but I, I enjoyed kind of hearing that, the, 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 how much they, they talk on the pitch. Cause I think that's one of those things that you kind of forget how important that is. Um, when you're watching a, a regular match, you're just hearing the crowd. And, um, so, so that aspect of it, I actually really liked about not having the crowd noise pumped in. There is an artificial feel to um, having crowd noise over the broadcast that is a little bit annoying um, to me, but, but overall, I mean, I don't mind when they put the crowd noise on it at times it, it, you know, feels fine. But um, I, I guess if I had to, you know, if I had to make a choice, I would say let's just not do the crowd noise um, for me. Uh, just because, again, like, I don't know, it just it feels weird to be like, oh, yeah, they're all they're whistling at the ref, for example. <laughs> it's like there's no one in the crowd. Why are they put? So I don't know. It's just kind of a weird experience. But I, I I'm OK with it. I'm not going to rail on against it, but I I think I prefer without. Yeah, the whistling at the refs was the weird thing for me. That's what I, that's when I noticed that okay, this is this is a little off. There's no fans in the stadium, and yet I'm hearing the whistles. Yeah. So, um, Sebastian, Tim, have y'all had the same experience? Have they add that added that crowd noise to y'all's broadcasts? And and what are your opinions on it? Uh, well, I gotta say, I have no idea. <laughs> that's the strange thing. Uh, I I didn't uh, didn't realize anything. So either uh, it wasn't on uh, das erste in Germany. Uh, or well, yeah, I didn't realize, so <laughs> no idea really. I guess uh, maybe it's just that I really don't care, and that's why I didn't realize. So <laughs> I, 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 neither did I realize that they played any sounds, nor could I could I positively say that I'm sure they they did or they didn't. So no idea. On BT Sport, I think they I think they did the same thing. Of they just recorded. Um, 
yeah they just recorded like stadium noise but it was clearly like a five minute loop and so like every so often the referee's whistle would go and like nothing would be happening on the pitch (laughs) and it's like every five minutes i was like oh what's going oh nothing okay cool it was it was really quite irritating like it's an it's a nice it's a nice option but it's only nice as an option yeah yeah it's not something that i'll that i look forward to hearing again i mean they've done a pretty decent job with it over here in terms of i mean it seems like they have it somehow set to where you know the crowd noise kind of builds when it you feel like it should be building and and i mean that's at least how i've viewed it or whatever but but yeah it's just it's different to to not see anybody in the crowd but like hear things going on and you you know the players aren't hearing this um although we did hear the other day um what they had some sort of 90s rock music playing at uh at the bundesliga game which uh i think tim i think sebastian's comment was who who are they playing this for (laughs) yeah i guess i i i gotta insist that it definitely wasn't rock music (laughs) other than that yeah sure sorry pop pop uh top 40 music maybe (laughs) Well, it yeah, look- Eurodance trash kind of stuff. There you go. <laughs> trash. It wouldn't be a uh, Super Baron podcast if we didn't at least look into the transfer market for a little bit. Um, and I have to uh, have to come to you for this one, Sebastian, because I want to hear your thoughts on it. Timo Werner has supposedly agreed to go to Chelsea. That's where he thinks his future lies. Nothing is official yet, but pretty much everyone, uh, all the sources are saying the same thing. How does this move make you feel? not very good i gotta say uh i kind of had made my peace with him uh, probably joining liverpool because liverpool is kind of a nice club a club that i respect very much uh and chelsea is yeah well more problematic i guess uh so and i guess i also don't necessarily understand why he would want to go there. I mean, it's kind of a young team, uh, a young, talented kind of team, maybe. I even read today uh, that they might want to get Nagelsmann next season, which seems a bit weird to me, but okay, why not? Um, Yeah, from a Bayern perspective, it is quite frustrating, but from the Bayern perspective, not much has changed because it seemed clear for a couple of weeks now that sadly uh, he's not going to join our club. So at least that is kind of old news. And so that's not necessarily, has not necessarily increased my pain here. But yeah, it's it's weird, I guess, that he's choosing choosing Chelsea here. But yeah, maybe Liverpool really isn't able to, uh, or not necessarily willing to pay that sum now. I think it is very cheap still. Um, I, I think... I, th- I think we are going we are going to see more expensive transfers in this upcoming transfer window and I think even in this upcoming transfer window this transfer is uh, is going to look like a like a pretty fair deal for Chelsea I believe. So yeah, it is kind of sad that Bayern didn't do didn't do this that the, they didn't get Timo Werner because I also think for Bayern it would have been a good deal at at this rate. Uh, and I guess, uh, yeah, I'm kind of afraid that they are also going going to get Kai Havertz, uh, which we are also probably going to so talk bad. about in a minute. Right? Yeah, that, that that would be very weird. I mean, now it is maybe maybe this is this is just the news, right? Maybe this is just the media uh, when when they now they have Werner, they so they obviously need to be crazy about German people, so they're obviously going to get Kai Havertz and and uh, Julian Nagelsmann. Could could be that, but. Yeah. Maybe maybe they actually are hard to say. Yeah, quite frustrating, really quite frustrating. Well, yeah, I mean, that is the uh, the latest news is that Chelsea want Kai Havertz. And then even before that, many sources were claiming that Kai Havertz wants his future decided this summer. He doesn't really want to wait. Um, and so with Tim, I guess this one's also a little bit uh, a bit close to home, almost literally for you, with Chelsea stepping up in their pursuit of Kai Havertz. But I mean, if he wants to have his future decided this summer, can Bayern really afford to miss out on him? Uh, and then on top of that, you know, if Bayern did go in for him, would he even start for this Bayern side? So maybe that's there's that sort of aspect from from Havertz's position that if I go to Bayern, how's that going to work out for me? Yeah, it's kind of 
everything sort of happening at the worst possible time. Um, I think like it, I can completely understand the idea of Bayern not being interested in Werner because, you know, we've got Lewandowski, we've got Gnabry, we've got Sane. Like these are, well, yeah, okay. Well. <laughs> okay, let's just take a step back. Let's just slow things down a little bit. Um, but like if if these are the, the names that are, that may or may not be uh, in the Bayern squad, it's going to be hard to get somebody like Werner into that. Um, then again, you know, people can rest and he can fit in in a number of positions. It will be easier that way. Um, again, rotation, very key there. As for Havertz, it's, it's a shame. It's not a shame, but it may be a little bit frustrating that Muller is coming into the form of his life again. And Thiago's doing really well and Goretzka's doing well. Saying that, the fact that he's been able to play so many games as a centre forward so convincingly and do such a good job, that just really adds to the whole versatility argument. I think I've said a number of times that versatility is probably one of the most undervalued traits in a player. Like, okay, he's a really, really good right winger. What can he do through the middle? Nothing. Havertz isn't that sort of guy. He can do just about everything i think he's even played as like a a very deep lying eight Mm -hmm. for a couple of times for germany maybe this is a guy that you can put him anywhere on the pitch he's like a a taller faster stronger philip lahm how can you not uh, in so much as like the whole versatility side of things and he can do just about anything um it does make sense it's just it's a big massive frustration that he isn't coming into his own several years later where Bayern should really start looking at people to take over from Thomas Muller because he has that he has that exact mold it's a shame but I get it at the same time though I think that I think it wouldn't be too hard to I mean and he's also you know he's the player that you can fit him into the, into a side and make it work um so let's say you know Felipe Cucino is obviously not going to be a Bayern next season um Ivan Perisic may be let go of as well now so if Bayern offload uh, another midfielder, maybe Colin Tolisso, and even if Bayern do bring in Leroy Sané, then Havertz can fill in in that attacking midfield position on one of the wings. If he needs to go deeper, he can. He can even play the backup to Robert Lewandowski. So I don't think we're in a sort of situation where he looks at the club and says, okay, no, there's no playing time for me there. I'm not going to go there. I think there's still a very um, appealing option for him. And... To answer the question I brought up earlier, I don't think Byron can afford to miss out on him. He's very much the next uh, Thomas Muller, even though they don't play exactly the same. He can be that guy for Byron maybe that, that comes in, and he's just like this this cornerstone of the attack for for several years. Um, I don't know, you know, how that would affect a, a potential Leroy Sané transfer, but Havertz is one of those guys that you pretty much have to make any sort of accommodation that you need to to make sure that he comes to the club. At least that's the way I see it, coming from probably the most pro-Leroy Sané uh, Bayern fan that I know. Yeah, I, I I just don't... It would it would be just soul-crushing <laughs> if he went to Chelsea, uh, of all places. If he went to, you know, a Liverpool, you know, again, there we can kind of be like, Okay, I mean, you get a chance to play for Klopp and and they're you know a high profile team. I get it, I guess. Um, it, but but going to a team like Chelsea would be a little too 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 much for me to handle. I I just think that you know you look at it and you can't see where exactly maybe he starts right away. But I in my mind if. If you buy uh, Kai Havertz from Leverkusen, he's he's used to playing so many different positions for Leverkusen. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that you know Bayern, you could have him on the pitch in a different you know role, you know every couple of games, and still have you know you know most of the guys that you have in normally um, still on the pitch. And I I just think uh, it, it it might end up be it might end up being more of a uh, you know, him or Goretzka sort of thing, kind of like how we had kind of um, talked about with with Taliso and Goretzka in, in that manner, and who who should be playing more. Um, and because 
Havertz just seems to be more of an offensive version of Goretzka um, or a more offensive version of Goretzka. And I think that, I think that that's, um, that's a, a, a major plus. And, and you can find, like you said, you can find so many different places for him on the pitch. And I, I just, I would hate to see them miss out on a player like Kai Havertz who, who is turning 21 uh, very shortly. I think, here, I think I today's think. his but birthday. Today. Yeah. Happy birthday, Kai. Come to Byron. <laughs> Um, if you, if, if you get him now and, you know, he's playing every day and then, you know, as, as Mueller starts to kind of see his way out of the club, um, hopefully with a big celebration because he's retiring that day, you know, we, we don't go play for anybody else, uh, Thomas, um, then, then he can then he can step into a role where he is an everyday player in the same position and then you can maybe even see him take off you know even more because he's used to he's got one set role that he's focused on i just i just don't see how this could be a bad deal for Bayern. um you know short of you know you buy him for a bunch of money and then he gets injured and never plays you know but that's that's a risk that you're always taking Mm -hmm. um i just i just i they to me, he's he he is of all the guys we've we've talked about over the course of this podcast. He is the guy that Bayern need to go get, um, just because I I you can't let a guy go um, who has that kind of talent. Um, is German, young. It's just he checks all the boxes. You, you have to go get him. Yeah, um, I, we'll be talking about Kai Havertz plenty. I'm sure in the coming weeks and months. Um, a name that you're probably going to have to be hearing a lot, but uh, suffice it to say, yeah, he 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 should be taking top priority for Byron if you know this summer he's looking for a move. Uh, one final thing to talk about before we wrap this thing up: Byron do play Gladbach this weekend in the Bundesliga, and like Tim said last time out, Byron lost to Gladbach two to one. It was the last loss that Byron had um, under Hansi Flick, the last one they've had this season. Now Gladbach are a bit out of form right now, but Bayern Munich are going to be missing a few key players. Uh, Robert Lewandowski, Thomas Muller are both both out due to uh, yellow card accumulation. And even Serge Gnabry is questionable whether or not he'll start this weekend. So with that in mind, Sebastian, how do Bayern cope without um, two and maybe even three of their most potent attacking players? Yeah, I think that's going to be very interesting. Uh, We've been talked about rotation probably being a bit neglected uh, uh, in the last couple of weeks. So why not do that now, I guess? Uh, the, mm-hmm. This is probably the right opportunity. Uh, I really I really hope to see uh, a lot of uh, some of those young players then. Um, I mean, either uh, Goretzka is going going to play on, on the 10, I suppose, and Thiago on, on the, uh, as a part of the double, double six. That, that That's definitely not a big deal. Um, and then, of course, uh, I definitely hope that we are going to see Xerxi for 90 minutes or at least for 45-plus uh, minutes uh, starting this game. That That's going to be very nice. I'm actually looking forward to this quite a bit. Uh, yeah, and it's yeah, it's going to be an opportunity for, uh, for a number of players. Um, yeah, I think mm, maybe it's also the time to see some, some more of Davies, uh, well... I would I would say on the left side, but I'm not really sure he was meant to play on the on the left side really in uh, in in the Frankfurt game. It wasn't the Frankfurt game, right? Yeah. Um, where he was coming coming over the middle a lot of the time or also, uh, over the right side. So that that was also quite interesting. Uh, so I, I, don't, I don't really think that's that's such a big deal. Uh, I think we should be able to uh, still have a good game against this Gladbach team. That should be uh, well definitely possible. Uh, if I if I would uh, if I would uh, decide here we're going to have Thiago and uh, and Kimmich uh, as a double six then we're going to have Goretzka we're going to have Koman uh, likely Perisic and then Serxi so that almost looks like a normal lineup of course Lewandowski and Müller are missing but all of those are players that I trust uh, to to a very high level I would say um, not a big deal there and the defense well can be the same uh, we we have seen. Uh, against uh, against Frankfurt, so also not a big deal. Yeah, I really don't see a problem here. 
Tim, you were the one who brought up uh, Hansi Flick and, and the lack of rotation and how that might be a slight criticism. Do you think that Sebastian's sort of more conservative lineup would be the way to go, or do you think if we're already missing a few key players, might as well rotate a little bit more, get some more of these young guys in, uh, and see if we can't shake things up a little bit against Gladbach? Yeah, this is the game that would probably, you know, on on paper in all technicalities, win the league for Bayern. So you, you kind of can't really afford to be like, okay, maybe we can lose this. Then you do have to think about winning uh, at all times. Um, but with that being said, like Gladbach are a very dangerous team. I know they're missing, is it player? Yeah. Alice? Yeah, is it, is it just him that they're missing? And like um, Dennis Zakaria as well. Um, I really like him. I've, I've enjoyed watching him this season. Um, but they're they're missing a couple of players, but at the same time they've also got guys like Marcus Turam, who are fantastic, really talented guys who can be very very dangerous. So if they're playing, then it's okay. Bayern's biggest weakness is the fact that they don't have Lewandowski and Müller, but also Gladbach are missing some people in their attack as well. It doesn't quite balance out, um, but I, I do think that this is a game that Bayern should take very very seriously and i think maybe a slightly more conservative approach would be uh would be the most logical thing to do um i'd i'd really enjoy seeing what alfonso davies can do as an attacking player um for for 90 minutes uh, i think i, I want to say that maybe hernandez has kind of earned his opportunity to start and finish a game uh, if if he is of course fit i think that's obviously key um yeah, it's, it's one that I'm like I'm quietly confident going into, um, but at the same time, getting the getting the attack right uh, right from the beginning uh, is going to be very is going to be an interesting decision for Flick to make. But I'm confident. If I could, really quick before before we wrap this up for good, uh, if Thiago's not completely fit, or maybe even if he is, since he's just now coming back, I think getting Mikel Kisons into the starting eleven. Might not be the worst idea. Let him play a little bit more attacking uh, or even alongside Joshua Kimmich and let Goretzka go play the more attacking role. Because what what more fitting game would there be to uh, to play in than against his former club in, in Gladbach and maybe to show what he's worth um, and, and prove why he earned that move to Munich. So maybe that's just something to keep an eye on. I think that'd be really neat to see Hansi Flick play him against his former club. But that is all the time that we have for this one. If you've enjoyed listening or if you're a regular fan of the pod and you haven't already, please do us a favor and leave us a five-star review. We would greatly appreciate that. If you want to get in touch with us, there are two ways you can do that. First, you can follow us on Twitter at SuperByronPod and tweet at us there. Or you can email us at SuperByronPod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you guys. All of our podcasts can be found on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, even though I think that's going to be shut down here soon. Wherever you listen to your podcast, we're going to be there. Thank you for listening. Go out and tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>